I am Kyle Rode, and you are listening to the Sea of Red podcast. This episode is brought to you by Young Seal Coding. Uh, being able to uh, have them, that was really cool. You know, they want to come support us in person more or less than watching us on TV. So I, I, I just appreciate them for coming out here and uh, uh, letting us go out there and glorify God, you know. I've done this long enough. Every year is different. There's no team that has the same DNA, same leadership, same hunger, desire, passion. It was great 2020. I got the ring. I got the picture. I got it all. I got it. I will have it framed. Top 20 in the nation. That's awesome. But you know what? It's time to run to the roar of 2021. It's here. It's a different week, Malik. It's a different week, Malik. For we can, For we we can. can do all things through Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. He strengthens us, he strengthens us. Each, and every day. each and every day. And may God, and may God. Play with the play! It is week number nine, John. It's kind of crazy. We're already more than 65% way through the season. Uh, kind of do a little little reality check here, see where we are, and then also see where we're headed with the remainder of the season. But it is but crazy. crazy. We are this far into the season already. You're listening to the Sea of Red podcast. My name is Chad Hassan. I am joined by my good friend, founder, creator, all things the Sea of Red, John Manson. John, hope uh, hope you're doing well today. How are things going? Despite all of the negative news we've been getting about our favorite football team and university over the last last week. Yeah, doing well. I mean, it, it, yeah, a lot of negative news, but the good thing is the team did bounce back after a tough first half, tough start to the game, and and got a win against North Texas to get bowl eligible and and uh, move forward and hope to get to uh, two straight wins with a win this week against UMass. So realignment news uh, broke this last week, or not news really, it was more of just the big shakedown happened that we thought we were going to be included in. Um, we thought, you know, we had done in-depth analysis about, uh, you know, fan engagement, which we looked at every single G5 that had an opportunity. We looked at their, um, you know, their revenue generation for athletics. We studied it. We figured out how many season tickets we needed to sell and how much money we needed to to generate to be in the top half of any league that wanted to offer us after the three left the american athletic conference we thought we are the top candidate nobody raises more money than us for fan engagement we also looked at school financial health we looked at our endowment compared to every other g5 uh potential candidate endowment again we were the top one john we were the very top of the list for financial security for the university. The third thing, and we based this criteria off of uh, Chris Vanini's, I believe that's how you say his name, out of The Athletic, off of his criteria that was given to him directly from the AAC commissioner. So our third criteria, John, was football success, recent football success. Now, you can determine that as recent the last 10 years, as recent last season, as recent this season. Who knows? But we... Uh, we did a five-year look back, and we analyzed where we fit. Now, we, we weren't the top on that one. We had a few others. Now, after you take away, you know, the main ones in, those, in that study was Boise State and, um, I believe, 
the other, it's slipping my mind, Memphis. Memphis, Boise State, and a few others have had more football success in the last five years than Liberty. So we were number one financial stability for the university, number one for fan engagement by revenue generation, and we are in the top three or four, probably top five for football success. Yet here we are on the outside looking in, begging for a conference, almost begging. I mean, I'm begging. I'm not sure Ian McCall and his staff are begging at this point. Uh, John, what happened? Why are we on the outside looking in for conference? If we if we met all three criteria and we're the top of the list on the criteria that that the AAC commissioner himself put out, and uh, what happened? Why are we not in a conference right now? Why are we not celebrating getting a conference invite? Well, you talked to uh, Brett McMurphy a couple weeks ago, and and uh, had him on the podcast, and <clears throat> I wrote an article based on what he had said to you. And one of his biggest things that he thought was a drawback to Liberty was, uh, you know, what happens after Hugh Freeze? What happens when Freeze leaves? Because nobody thinks that Freeze is going to retire as Liberty's head coach, uh, which it's fine that people think that. You know, it's probably true. Um, you know, but we don't know how long he's going to stay. I mean, he could stay 10 more years. He could stay, you know, he could. this could be his last year. We really don't know. So, I mean, I understand that. But. You know, at the same time, it feels that feels like, you know, like you said, Liberty has the financial resources. They have the uh, uh, facilities in place, football facilities, non-football facilities that rivals any other G5 program and some lower level P5 programs. Uh, so they have the resources, they have the facilities, they have the means to pay their coaching staff as well, if not better than any other uh, G5 uh, school. But actually, you know, I think that can be a negative for Liberty. I mean, if you look at the Sun Belt, yeah, there are teams like App State, Coastal Carolina, uh, maybe your Georgia schools, Louisiana, Troy, uh, teams like that. Maybe a couple of these teams are they're bringing into the conference that can compete with Liberty financially. But there's another half of that conference that can't. Look at your Louisiana Monroe's, your South Alabama's, your, uh, you know, teams like that that are, that are struggling to keep up with some of their uh, peers. Like, why do they want to add a Liberty who's a big unknown, who has a lot of resources and financial uh, support and backing and, and um, you know, resources basically to, to, to your conference? I mean, it, you know, that's just another rung down the ladder for them in most uh, all major sports, including football and men's basketball. Um, so, unfortunately, the, the votes are – they didn't even have a vote, but there weren't enough votes uh, to support Liberty uh, to be added to the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt – I think Liberty's – you and I talked about this, you know, leading up to, to the news breaking of, of uh, Southern Miss, Marshall, ODU, and JMU leaving to, to all join the Sun Belt. Uh, we kind of talked about it, and you were tweeting about it. it. Marshall was the linchpin. They were the team that it all hung on because, yes, yeah, Southern Miss could leave Conference USA and go to the Sun Belt, you know, no real big deal. But if it came down to Marshall. If Marshall were to leave to go to – leave Conference USA and go to the Sun Belt, it kind of made it like, okay, does Liberty even want the Conference USA anymore? I mean, you'd have an, an ODU team in there. Uh, they would probably add JMU. So you'd have the three Virginia, 
uh, G5 schools in there. But outside of that, I mean, what else is there? You know, you got a Middle Tennessee and a Western Kentucky who are semi-attractive. And then a couple teams out west, you know, Louisiana Tech and, and UTEP. I mean, is that an attractive conference for Liberty? We're not sure. Well, then and maybe Marshall went, went back to the Sun Belt and said, hey, we're interested, but we might be more interested in staying in the Conference USA with, you know, Liberty and, and JMU being added. So perhaps Marshall, and this is all hype, you know, speculation, we don't know this happened, but it makes, seems to make sense that maybe Marshall went back to the Sun Belt and said, we, we might would rather stay here. So then the Sun Belt said, well, that's fine. We'll go and add ODU and JMU. And, uh, you know, maybe they had Liberty on that list too, but they were like, okay, we can't get enough support for Liberty, but ODU and JMU have the support. So uh, at, the, at the end of the day, as the dust, you know, still is settling from that move, Liberty's on the outside looking in, uh, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, Ian McCall has said all along that he's fine with the team being independent uh, and in the A-Sun. I mean, I actually asked him this week how much he thinks this would affect Liberty's football schedules, which have already been uh, made out through 2026 and much of 2027 is done as well. And, and it really shouldn't have much of an impact, you know, because all these power five teams Liberty has scheduled, there, there's really no changes to them. And teams like Marshall and ODU and, and others that Liberty has on their schedule that's, you know, in coming years that's moving conferences, like it doesn't really affect them. I mean, the, instead of having eight Conference USA games, now they have eight Sunbelt games, Well, they still need those non-conference games, so those shouldn't uh, matter. They might, you know, the Sunbelt might go to a nine-game conference schedule so that, you know, some of these teams might lose one non-conference game each year, but, you know, the likelihood of, of everybody that, if, if that happens, first of all, that, that's one if, then the second if is, if that does happen, do all these teams uh, all of a sudden say, oh, Liberty, we're not going to play you. So that that's very unlikely. So the schedule shouldn't be affected too much. Um, you know, Liberty just has to has to keep winning, has to keep going out here, doing what they're doing, supporting the programs, building the programs up. And, and you know, at least Liberty's an FBS member. We've, we've played this realignment game before, and back then Liberty was left out but was still stuck in the Big South. At least now Liberty is in the FBS. And, and can have success as we've seen last year and much of this year. So, uh, you know, it, those of you that wanted Liberty to join a conference, you certainly could be disappointed, and I understand that. I think you and I both felt that way, Chad. But at the same time, it's not like, you know, Liberty has nothing to offer. The future is still bright for this uh, athletic program, this football program. Yeah, and one point, and then we'll jump off realignment. We've proved that we can talk – for 45 minutes about realignment and still have more to say. Um, last thought here for me is with these teams joining, ODU, Marshall, and JMU have all proven and, and and through just kind of reading the tea leaves, they are pro-Liberty. They want the regional thing to work. They want Liberty to be included. We couldn't say that five years ago. Marshall, ODU, and JMU, all three basically didn't want to see Liberty grow. We're kind of threatened and and maybe didn't really support it as much as they are now. So we've made huge strides in that. And the reason that's important, John, it is the teams that vote on new members. You know, it is the schools, the university presidents. So if we are adding, and I think, I believe it used to be, you had to have 70%. That's what it was last time when the Sunbelt voted down. 
it was 70% who had to have um, of, of members vote for a new member. So adding Marshall, ODU, and JMU, all three who I feel very confident would vote for Liberty in when they become voting members, um, you know, I, I think that's important. I think that's important. I think the Sun Belt could look to expand. The Sun Belt might lose a team here or there to either, you know, a Power Five or another, you know, American somewhere that makes more sense. Um, I know there's Sun Belt teams right now that are looking at, you know, joining um, a Western Conference or Northern, more no, more Northern Central Conference. I don't think regional is going away for G5. I think it's a model that makes sense, and people started seeing that. So having those allies in the Sun Belt really helps Liberty's case next time realignment comes around. We have made progress, and it's important to kind of understand that, point that out. We are we are light years ahead of where we were in terms of gaining conference affiliation. I thought we were there already, but uh, it was it's uh, didn't work out this time. Hopefully, hopefully soon, next three five years, this will all be kind of a blur, and uh, we will be in a, the Sun Belt or similar. So, <clears throat> all right, John, I'm not going to call it struggles with the football team because we are six and two with some very important games. We have one of the best coaches in the country. We have one of the best quarterbacks in the country taking snaps. Um, he's still a top five quarterback prospect for the NFL. Um, you know, we have so much talent. The injury bug has bitten the secondary. Offensive line has had some inconsistent performances. Uh, those are two things that we didn't really predict. But we're six and two. The, the, it just almost feels like you know, we're not, we're not playing the way that we thought we were capable. We're not covering point spreads, which I know it doesn't matter, but good teams win, great teams cover. We've been saying that. Um, it just doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. And I'm very, very and optimistic that this last four-game stretch, starting with Ole Miss, you know, Ole Miss is a great game to kind of kind of uh, heal some wounds, get some people back, like Darrell Johnson. How long is he going to be out? Um, others getting back. And then also kind of get some reps and figure some things out, do a nice self-scout during the bye week here. Um, coming up I, in a couple of weeks, I think that Liberty, and I'm hopeful that we'll figure some things out and uh, per perform a little bit better. But I wanted to get your take on we're eight games through, I think we've underperformed a little bit. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you said uh, hopefully we get our wounds healed against Ole Miss. You obviously meant UMass uh, this week before those final three games against Ole Miss, Louisiana, and uh, Army. But, but yeah, no, I agree with you. And it's pretty interesting, you know, in just a year, year and a half's time, how much has changed, you know, where, you know, if you go back to 2018, 2019, uh, entering 2020, even the beginning of 2020, if anybody would have said, hey, you'd be six and two midway through Hugh Freeze's third year in 2021 and have become bowl eligible for the third straight season, uh, we'd all, you know, jump up and down to that. We'd be ecstatic for that. Uh, but here we are at six and two and we're kind of, you know, I'm not going to say we're unhappy. We're kind of, um, you know, satisfied, but but the teams play these last two weeks. Obviously, that loss 
to uh, Louisiana Monroe stings. It's a game that you would love to have back the third quarter. You know, things just went sideways. I'm not sure what happened there or what, what team that was. And things went sideways, and, and we lost that one. And it could, hopefully it won't, but it could cost us a second straight 10-win season. Uh, and then, you know, this past week against North Texas, it looked like the team was going to, you know, lay an egg again. You know, fell behind, what was it, 20-7, to and then uh, 26-14, to I believe, were the two scores that Liberty uh, – tra- two times Liberty trailed by two scores. Uh, during the game Saturday. So it felt at times like this thing was was going to go bad and that loss against ULM was going to turn into two straight losses where Liberty was, you know, a big favorite. Uh, fortunately, the team rebounded, you know, and Malik was hurt and left the game. And JB came in, Jonathan Bennett came in and kind of uh, steadied the ship and kept the team within striking distance before Malik came back and you know, it was just a magician once again and helped lead the team to, to the come behind, come from behind victory. But yeah, we're six and two. I, I think, you know, and you hit on it there a little bit about the offensive line. That's the biggest, you know, mystery to me this year is how that was one of the things we thought the offensive line was going to be one of the strengths of the team going into. Uh, and I apologize if y'all hear that noise, some leaf blower at my neighbor's house right next door. And, of course, he decides to do it now, but that's fine. Um, but, yeah, the offensive line, we thought that was going to be a strength of the team. But, um, you know, it, it's really been a struggle. The team has already given up more sacks this year through eight games than they did um, than they did last year through an 11-game season. They also, um, you know, Liberty cannot rush the ball consistently with their running backs. It's a, a Malik scramble is all we're able to get out of the run game. So that's been very uh, frustrating. But, you know, hopefully this week against UMass, like you mentioned, will be a, a time for the team to, to get healed and recovered a little bit. The other thing that we've talked about some, but this bye week doesn't come until after week 10. I mean, not many teams play 10 straight games with no break. And not to mention, out of those 10 games, uh, six of them are on the road and, and long road trips. So, um, you know, it's been it's been a, a rough stretch. Hopefully, you know, Liberty can can take the care of business this week against UMass and prepare for these uh, tough three games to close out the regular season. Yeah, what's uh, the leaf blower's fine. What is the uh, plan for the quarterbacks this week? I know you were talking Malik got a little banged up. Jonathan Bennett played a little bit. I saw where he has some tape on his fingers. Um, what is the plan for the quarterbacks this week against an opponent like UMass, where you want to have, you know, you want to have a full arsenal going down to Ole Miss uh, in two weeks? So, uh, what's the plan? You think? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, like you mentioned, Liberty Liberty's a thirty-six point favorite, I believe, last I checked against UMass. Um, you know, so this is a team that struggled to, to put up points. So you would think even with a backup quarterback, Liberty could win. And I saw some uh, scuttlebutt on social media about, you know, rest Malik this week and let Bennett play. Well, then, you know, you go to practice on Tuesday and Bennett's not practicing and he's got, you know, basically every finger on his right throwing hand taped heavily. Um, so it leads you to wonder, you know, what's his status? Uh, for this week, and, and who's the backup if if uh, Bennett can't play, and if Malik, um, you know, has to come out of the game or can't play, or 
or Liberty gets up by a big score and wants to sit him down. So I would imagine, you know, Malik was at practice on Tuesday. You know, he went through all the drills, was a full participant. Um, I would imagine he starts and plays um, most of the game, if not all the game, depending on how it goes. You know, if Liberty gets up by three or four scores by halftime, you know, like a 28 to nothing type score at halftime, you could see one of those other guys go into the game. Um, I would imagine Bennett is more of a short-term injury, and, and hopefully he'd be back by and available maybe even this week. We haven't heard that he's not yet, uh, but certainly by the Ole Miss game. But it would be a great game. This is a perfect opportunity to see what Caden Salter or Nate Hampton can do. Um, I would imagine Caden uh, Salter, the former four-star recruit who signed with Tennessee and transferred to Liberty this summer, a uh, true freshman, I, I I can't wait to see what this guy can do. I hope he gets the play. I hope Liberty's winning, you know, 42 to nothing at halftime and, and Malik has a great first half and and then Caden can come in and, and take care of the thing in the second half to see what he can do. And sure, let, let's get Hampton some reps too because, you know, you hate to get ahead of ourselves. We'll have all summer to talk about it, but I'm really intrigued by the next quarterback battle between after Malik, you know, if he – goes on pro as most expect after this year, um, which of course he can still come back for one more season. But if he does go pro, then you got Bennett, Nate Hampton, Caden Salter, you know, what's going to happen in that quarterback race this summer going into next year. And and we could get our first glimpse of, you know, we see what Bennett can do a little bit. Uh, he got his first true meaningful playing time against North Texas this past week. But let's see what some of those other kids can do. I'd, I'd love to, to see a Salter play. And I wouldn't be shocked if he does play uh, this week against UMass. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, <clears throat> yeah, we've talked about it. Yeah. And I did mean UMass earlier to, to heal up for. And so we got UMass Ole Miss, uh, two very different games. You and I both are going to go down to Oxford to watch that game. I cannot wait. Hugh Freeze's return to Oxford, the tension to be at the Grove, an SEC environment, they, that place is going to show up. They're a great team, top 10. The quarterbacks are have so much to display that game and play for. Um, the teams, I, I think, I if I had to guess, seeing, knowing Coach Freeze over the past few years, I think he has several, I wouldn't call them tricks, but several things up his sleeve that he did not let out of the bag until these last three games, um, you know, is it a wide receiver move? Is it a running back getting more carries? Is it a, a screen game that's been non-existent? Uh, what is it that that Freeze thinks will, I don't know. I, I just have that in my my uh, thought and hope, you know, that there, we have out something special for Ole Miss. But, yeah, so we have those two. And then we end the season, John, with two teams that are, are playing really well right now. We don't know if they'll be either will be ranked top 25 when they come to Lynchburg. But then we end with Louisiana right before Thanksgiving and Army right after Thanksgiving. And then we'll have a bowl game, of course. So we still have five games left. Um, and three of them, if four of them, if you count the bowl game, are an incredibly exciting opportunity to make some noise nationally and, and accomplish some really cool things for this team. And and do some things that you know, no one really, no one really even after a, even after a great win a season last year. So, uh, some exciting opportunities coming up. Uh, what do you think about these next four or five games? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to them. I mean, you know, obviously you got the UMass game, and then 
Uh, you touched on Ole Miss. Like that, I mean, that's a game since it was uh, announced. And you can remember Donald Trump uh, was president at the time when he was at Liberty's convocation and announced that was one of the many games he he announced that Liberty would be playing. So that was the first time we'd heard that, which was pretty cool. And obviously getting that game on the schedule, that at that point in time, you were still like, man, that's going to be cool to see Liberty go and play Ole Miss. Uh, it's the second ever SEC team Liberty has played. Um, you know, but now you fast forward a few years and here we are and you talk about, you know, Hugh Freeze returning to Oxford. You talk about Malik Willis and Matt Corral and, and two of the top quarterbacks in the entire country. Um, you talk about one of the best offenses in the entire country in Ole Miss and and how can Liberty match up against an SEC opponent? And that's just going to be uh, a lot of fun to, to see that game. And, and like you mentioned, we'll both be going down for that game. So I'm looking forward to that. And then, then you finally get that much-needed bye week before Louisiana and, and Army come to uh, Lynchburg to close out the regular season. And those, you know, we've talked in the past, you know, previous years about, you know, the best team to ever play in Lynchburg. I, I would think that it would be these two, Louisiana and, and Army. Louisiana could be uh, ranked, as you mentioned. They're 6-1 and one right now, one six straight. If you look at their schedule, they got – I believe it's three more games uh, prior to playing Liberty, and and they would be a favorite in each one of those. They could be nine and one coming to Lynchburg, and, and I would imagine they'd probably be in the top twenty-five at that point in time. Their only loss was in their season opener to Texas on the road, in a in a you know like a two-score game, I believe that was. And then you got Army, who just scored fifty-six points against Wake Forest and lost, giving up seventy points. They um, they're four and three right now. They've won their first four games and have dropped three straight. You know, the last two to to Wake Forest and uh, Wisconsin. So they're a very good team. Obviously, we know they got the triple option and they can score a lot of points and, and possessions will be critical that that game. So, man, those last three games, I can't wait. Uh, hopefully, Liberty's got seven wins going into it. And then, you know, like you said, got a chance to you win any one of those games. It'll be a marquee win at the end of the season. And hopefully the Flames can can at least get one and hopefully get two. and. And who knows, you can go down to Ole Miss and, and give it a shot. You never know. Like you mentioned, I think Freeze um, has been game planning for that one since he was hired at Liberty and certainly all year. Um, I, I'm sure he'll have some tricks up his sleeve, like you said. And and uh, I wouldn't put anything past him and past this team. He's a, he's a master motivator, and you know uh, he'll have his guys ready to go that week. Now, of course, Ole Miss is a good team, number 10 in the country, so it's not like, you know, Freeze can just will his team to victory, maybe, but I mean, this is a very good team we're going up against or will be going up against. And, and then obviously the bowl game. So it's going to be a, a fun uh, finish to the season. Hopefully, you know, the team can get some momentum going this week, get a big win against UMass and, and pick up some confidence and, and uh, keep this train moving. Guess what, man? We are, it's six and two, eight games, and we're looking forward to a uh, just a really fun finale to the season and you know what that means to me is that that kool-aid cooler you know has been mixed up you and i have have mixed up the kool-aid all that red liberty flames kool-aid and uh, we're handing out free sips to anybody that wants to jump up in line uh bring your own glass john and i'll fill up your liberty kool-aid and uh have you have you sipping it and having a good time with us as we enjoy the rest of the season look it is as as what we we call you know diehard fans or just people who care about Liberty Athletics a whole lot and and put a lot of time effort money we talked about that before 
But for, for those of us that do that, and there are a lot, there are a lot more than there used to be, and there are a lot right now, and, and I love it. But, you know, it's so easy to kind of just let one bad loss kind of ruin your mood, two bad losses. I mean, ULM and Syracuse, we need to say this, are both playing better than they were expected to at the beginning of the season. ULM has already won some games, uh, way more than they won last year, because last year they didn't win any. But Syracuse has looked good. Their running back is going to be a NFL running back, and he had a good game against us. So, you know, yes, we should have won those games, could have won those games, but those are two decent teams that we, you know, didn't play our best against. And here we are at 6-2. and two. I just wanted to say, don't throw in the towel after two bad losses. College football is hard to win games. It's hard to win games, especially at Liberty University, University. with – the the everything that we've had to deal with over the past three or four years and just everything going on, we are in a position to have some exciting games left here in November and and uh, the rest of October. So it is not time to throw in the towel. I am just as excited as I was as at opening kick of the first game and uh, to kind of support the Flames and follow along and keep right up with it. So um, you know, well, there have been seasons in the past where. We didn't know who we were playing in October. Didn't really care. And, uh, and, and that's coming from guys who, who follow and support the team, you know, at a, at a high level, I would say. And um, so, you know, just kind of one of those things where we just need to keep fanning the flames. And, and uh, we are in a great position to do some really fun things. So wanted to kind of get that out there and uh, make sure you guys know that the Kool-Aid line is open. And uh, as always, John, appreciate your coverage and everything you're doing for the, the Flames Athletics with a sea of red, you know, the, the website has kind of taken off over the last year and it's been a lot of fun and I uh, appreciate all you do. And the, with the, you know, walking the line between being a fan and being covering the team fairly and all that, it's, it's not easy, but you do a great job at it. So I just wanted to say publicly say thank you for that. And uh, with that, we will say Phantom and go Flames. This KR22 Hoops Update is sponsored by Young Seal Coating. For optimum pavement protection, check out youngsealcoating.com. This is Kyle Rode with your Hoops Update. Flames Nation getting into the last week of October. I'm super excited to start regular season games in November. Uh, our team just keeps growing on and off the floor, and it's super cool to see. Um, we got had some really cool CSER opportunities last week, um, and it's all it's always fun to uh, go out and serve in the community um, as a team and kind of grow as brothers in that way. Uh, practice has been going great, really honing in on our on our defense, um, on our communication, and uh, just sacrificing for one another uh, to do what's best for the team. And so I think I think you're going to see a team this season that's. Loves playing with one another. We'll always serve and sacrifice. Um, and I'm super excited to get going on November 11th in Liberty Arena. So this is KR22 with your Hoops Update. Thanks for tuning in. Back for week nine of the Liberty Line as the Flames move to 6-2 and two with a road win at North Texas. On Saturday, they won 35-26. It wasn't pretty at all especially in the first half as the Flames offense got the game off to a slow start. Malik Willis was sacked five times, had to leave the game in the second quarter as he injured his ankle. 
But Liberty did find a way to come back and win. Willis got some treatment on the ankle, came back in the second half, and they were able to move to 6-2 and two and become now bowl eligible. This week's opponents, the UMass Minutemen. And let's just say, well, it's not been a great year for them. The last few years haven't been great. Currently sitting at 1-6 overall with their lone win coming against UConn a couple weeks ago. Outside of the UConn win, they haven't been able to break double digits in points in their last four games. Last week's loss was against Florida State, and it wasn't pretty either. 59-3. to So what do we look for this week? Well, I don't see the Flames having a lot of issues for Saturday's game. Just like two weeks ago against Louisiana Monroe, I don't see the Flames covering such a large number. If you remember, that number is almost the same place as this week's number, which is sitting at 36. And Liberty didn't fare too well. They lost that game outright. I don't think they'll lose. They'll don't think they'll lose on Saturday because ULM's a much better team than what UMass is. But the Flames, they certainly are a little banged up going into this week. And I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't see Malik Willis not play a lot. There's no reason for him to play because the Flames should be able to easily be able to handle this team that they're facing on Saturday. So here we go. The total, it's at 60. And I actually like the under in this one. There's no reason in my mind that UMass should put up a lot of points in this game. The Flames, as a 36-point favorite, I like UMass to cover. One thing to keep an eye on for Saturday's game would be the weather, as there's a 50% chance of rain during Saturday's game, which has a noon kickoff at Williams Stadium. For this week's Liberty Line, I'm Jared Brooks. If you need any audio editing, mixing, or sound design for your projects, reach out to our guy, Jonathan Luna. You can find him at his website, lunasound.design. 